Welcome to Time Personified. I am your host, Francesca Mamlin, and I am an astrologer, and this is a podcast about astrology, so if that's what you're here for, (laughs) then you're in the right place. And this episode is being released on Halloween, or as I like to call it, Samhain. And on this day, there is also this gorgeous full moon in Taurus. I love that a full moon is happening on Samhain. Samhain is the witch's new year. So in pagan traditions, um, particularly like I think the Celtic pagan tradition, it is the beginning of the wheel of the year. It's when the wheel starts over. And themes associated with Samhain are closure and also rebirth or birth. Samhain always comes during Scorpio season, it's always on October 31st, and Scorpio reminds us that death is actually what initiates birth. Samhain is when we surrender what doesn't serve us into the darkness, into the abyss. We let go a bit of our connection with the material world, all of the little problems that we seem to think that we have, the practical things in our life, and we invite in new beginnings and connect with the mystical side and the new things that can really only come in from mystery. And Samhain, or Scorpio season, also invites us into our work with the Dark Goddess. The themes of the Dark Goddess for me are particularly heightened during this year's Samhain because of it also falling on a full moon in Taurus. For me, Taurus has always connected me to themes of feminine power. So this day, being the witch's new year, being a full moon in Taurus, is a beautiful witchy feminine power type of day. And I mean feminine power, uh, whether or not you actually identify as feminine or as a woman, the feminine power that we all have and that we can all connect to. And this is what we're going to be talking about in the interview today. I am so excited to share with you this interview that I got to do with Jeff Henshaw, who is an astrologer, a tarot reader, and the host of the Cosmic Cousins podcast. This gorgeous double Aquarius soul has been very influential to me with my own work with astrology and with the tarot, and I'm thrilled that I got to sit down with them and chat about their work. So if you don't already follow Jeff's work, I recommend that you do so. And last year they did this project on their podcast and on their Instagram called Zodiac Queens. And they started this project back in Taurus season of 2018, and they worked their way through the entire Zodiac, honoring famous women of each sun sign. And they held polls on their Instagram, and their Instagram followers voted to crown a queen of each Zodiac sign. And I followed this project all the way through, and it really deepened my understanding of each astrological sign. And the way the project marries the like ancient archetypal language of astrology with the kind of modern goddesses that we all collectively know, I, I thought it was really incredible because the mythology of our modern age is celebrities. We live in a world that is kind of starved of stories and context, so our relationship with celebrities can be a bit distorted, a bit strange. 
Uh, we idealize them, we worship them, but we usually remain disconnected from the fact that these people that we put on pedestals and that we all kind of see as more than human almost, they're really mirroring back parts of ourselves that we long to connect with. And I think this project really helped starting to start and build a bridge for the collective there. And I know that Jeff has some really big plans for what they plan to do with Zodiac Queens moving forward. And that's actually something that we talk about during the interview. And also Jeff sets a really strong example with their relationship with astrology. Jeff has a Virgo moon. So they're constantly examining and questioning the traditional interpretations of astrological archetypes. And they talk in the interview about how the Zodiac Queens was kind of their way of updating the language of astrology to fit the modern world. One of the things that astrologers face today is the fact that astrology does, does have this like patriarchal roots with the languaging. So those of us who are studying astrology and practicing astrology today, we have the task of updating this language to include everyone. I also talk about Jeff's work with Black Moon Lilith, which, as Jeff puts it, is a mystical point that appears in your astrology chart, and it's where the dark goddess lives in your chart. And I hope through listening to this episode, you can deepen your relationship with Lilith and with the feminine, however the feminine expresses in your unique energy, and that you can honor this beautiful, solid full moon energy by releasing and processing everything that has happened over the past 12 months and prepare to move towards a brand new beginning. Because I feel like considering everything that has happened this year, we can all use a new beginning. I'm actually kind of excited that this is technically one of the many new years that is celebrated over all of the cultures and traditions in the world. So now is a time to reflect, to nourish your body with good hearty food, to protect your energy because there's a lot of mysterious energy hanging around during Scorpio season, and connect with your spirit guides, your ancestors, whoever it is you talk to through divination, through offerings. I connected to this Scorpio Taurus polarity, which by the way happens to be my natal nodes. I have a south node in Taurus, north node in Scorpio, and I have been adopting some beautiful plant friends to live with me in my apartment. And they're connecting me with Taurus energy by allowing me to surround my life with nature when I'm in my home. And they also connect me with Scorpio energy. Another astrologer that I follow, Adam Summer, he said a few days ago in one of his classes that the human soul is kind of like a plant. It needs to be nourished and loved like a plant. Also, it connects you to the idea of reincarnation because a seed from a plant produces another plant or even you can cut off a piece of a plant and put it in water and it will grow roots and become new life. So I've been reflecting on that idea and I've been learning how to care for the new little plant friends that I have adopted. So what if, that's how I'm kind of connecting to the energy of this full moon and you'll find your own way. And this full moon in Taurus is also conjunct Uranus. So we have access to this like inner revolution during this day. The moon is our inner world. 
Uranus is revolution. Liberate yourself from whatever is holding you back. And Jeff and I give a pretty detailed interpretation of the astrology of this full moon, so I'm not going to really go any deeper right now. I'm actually going to pass you along to listen to my interview with Jeff. I hope you enjoy it, and I will see you on the other side. Here we are. Yeah. It's a miracle I got on here. So when I went to click the Zoom meeting link, it wouldn't let me click on it. So I had to type in each letter. Oh my gosh. There's like 50 of them. But, you know, here we are. We did it. Thank you for your dedication and perseverance uh, getting on this call. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm excited to connect with you. Thanks for inviting me on. Yeah, me too. Um, Welcome to Time Personified. Um, Yeah, we're so excited to have you. And yeah, let's start with, why don't you talk a little bit about who you are, um, for those of you who may not know you yet, and what is lighting you up in this moment? How are you doing? Good. It's, you know, well, for starters, my name is Jeff Henshaw. I'm an astrologer. I also work with the tarot. And I host the podcast called Cosmic Cousins. Uh, what's lighting me up at this moment? I am playing The Sims a lot on PlayStation 4. And that is my meditation of North Node and Gemini transiting my fifth house. I'm just like really finding that I need to find a lot of inner child healing at this time. And The Sims is actually was my gateway into astrology. Um, So The Sims, if you're not familiar with it, is a simulation game that I know from playing it on the computer, but um, is a double Aquarius, was released in 2001 when there was like a lot of planets in Aquarius, has Aquarius sun with Aquarius moon. And um, the reason it introduced me to astrology was because when you create a character, have you ever played? I played, I think I played Sims 3. Um, in high school, like a lot, like I'd play it for hours. I don't remember this part though. I think I remember you talking about it on your show. Um, yeah. Yeah. So you, when you create the character, they don't do it anymore, which I'm super bummed about, which is why I got the Sims 4 because I wanted to play around with it. But when you create the character, it will change a toggle on a wheel and tell you what astrological sign it is. And so that's when I first learned about astrology. Um, and of course, it would be a double Aquarius video game that would do that. But anyway, I'm also a double Aquarius. So, but yeah, I've been, that's what's lighting me up at the moment in time. And uh, my best friend, who's a Leo, is the one person that I'm hanging out with right now because of social distancing. And so we just kind of have been geeking out and just trying to find, you know, a little bit of uh, play and humor uh, this year. So that's, that's what's lighting me up right now. Yeah. That's so awesome. There's lots of fifth house energy because of um, the North Node in your fifth house. And then also your friend being a Leo that is connected to the fifth house as well. Awesome. That's a good space to be in. Well, it's not something that comes naturally to me, you know? So I, I think astrology is cool like that because it can really inspire us to, to find ways to, to balance our, our energy, you know? So I'm kind of like forcing myself into it, but it's been really fun. Mm-hmm. It yeah. truly like outlines the path to wholeness for you if you're mm-hmm. able to understand your chart. And that is a really amazing gift that astrology gives. Um, so this episode is going to be released on the 
uh, full moon in Taurus that's happening on Samhain or Halloween, which I think it's so cool there's a full moon that day. Uh, Do you have any thoughts on the astrology of that day, of that full moon? Yeah, you know, I pulled up a chart. I'm actually going to, can I share the screen with you? Oh, of course, yeah. I just think it'd be cool for us to both look at it. I'm quite a visual person. And so uh, this is the full moon chart. I have it cast. It's October 31st, 2020 at 1049 a.m. Eastern time is what I used. I used New York City as the birth chart, but you can translate to your own, uh, your own area code, zip code, or wherever you are in the world. Um, So yeah, we've got this Scorpio sun at the eighth degree. Oh my God, it's across from moon and Taurus with Uranus and Taurus at the same exact degree. So this is, you know, going to bring to light a lot of the Uranian themes uh, and it will offer us a lot of deeper insight into what is Uranus and Taurus because it's one of these placements that has such a juxtaposition to it, having this very practical fixed earth sign and this very revolutionary and, you know, quick and and even like you know like lightning storm of uranus and so i do think for me because a big part of my practice is working with both astrology and the tarot together and you know uranus is the fool and taurus is the hierophant so is the soul growth card is what i call uh, taurus and so i really am looking to this full moon as offering a lot of insights and glimpses into what 2021 might bring us because 2021 is a hierophant year and uranus and taurus is going to play a major role as it will be squaring both saturn and jupiter and aquarius so this full moon is like just be open to any insights around Uranus and Taurus and how it is encouraging us to evolve at this time. That's like the the biggest thing I think that I'm reflecting on. But then we also have uh, Black Moon Lilith. And this is working with the mean Black Moon Lilith just entered Taurus or is about to later on this week. Uh, We're recording like a week before the Taurus full moon. But um, by the time that the full moon is here, Black Moon Lilith will be at the first degree of Taurus. And so this starts a new nine month chapter with Black Moon Lilith, often referred to as the dark mother by astrologers, but I like to refer to her as the queer witch in our chart. And so we're starting a new nine-month theme around uh, her and and the sign of Taurus. So this will also offer us some insights there too, uh, around what this next nine months might bring us. So those are some of the thoughts that I have. Um, I mean, we could go deeper into them, but I'm curious when you look at this too, if anything is Uh, catching your eye or how you might even perceive this Uranus. I'll share some of my thoughts. And then, um, yeah, there is some stuff I want to ask you uh, about this chart. Um, Yeah, I have been also really focused on the fact that the moon is making an exact conjunction to Uranus and Taurus. And um, 2021 is going to be a really big Uranus year and also a really big Aquarius year because Saturn and Jupiter are going to be moving through Aquarius. Yeah, I'm an Aquarius as well. So it's very exciting for me. I'm not a double Aquarius like you, but I am an Aquarius. What's Um, your big three? I have Aquarius sun, Capricorn rising and a Cancer moon. Right on. Yeah, yeah. Cool. So um, I've had a pretty interesting like couple of years with all of the planets in my first house, um, the Capricorn planets. So yeah. I'm really looking forward to 2021. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, I also practice the tarot. 
And when I think about the, the tarot cards that rule over um, Taurus and Uranus, the full and the hero font, it's kind of interesting to imagine the kind of conversation that those two people archetypes would be having. Yeah. And one of the words that I kind of wrote down was like inner revolution because the moon is so connected to your inner world and it's connected to those patterns you generate that kind of create that safety, that protect that like soft, squishy part in the center of yourself. And um, so I feel like this full moon is a really great opportunity to like have some breakthroughs around belief systems. And it's a really beautiful time to also reflect on everything that you've experienced this year and sort of think about what you want to kind of implement moving forward because Samhain is the witch's new year. So it's the time where the pagan wheel of the year starts over. Um, mm -hmm. So I see it as like a, an opportunity to release and also a really beautiful new beginning. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. If for anyone that has any planets in Scorpio, um, whether that's sun, moon, rising, or any planet, I know for me, the one planet I have is Pluto in Scorpio. And I think that this full moon will offer some insight into what it means to have Uranus in opposition to whatever planet you have in Scorpio. And so I don't have Pluto and Scorpio until a few degrees later. So Uranus is about to oppose my Pluto and Scorpio. And so, yeah, this is, this is the full moon of Scorpio season. So we, it's really going to like be pulling on those themes of like how you're bringing up Samhain of our connection to our ancestors, to intergenerational healing, psychological healing and well-being, and how Taurus is there to balance Scorpio through the practical, through the reliable. So one way that I think of it is if Scorpio is death, then Taurus is, you know, the flowers that you take to the the tombstone nature is here to really support us at this time and always but particularly with uranus and taurus we get to receive cosmic insight and downloads uranus when we spend time taking our time in nature connecting to the five senses and this is the full moon to really pay attention to you know for me like right now this has just even happened this past week because mercury has already been in scorpio and is and has just stationed retrograde but I've been connecting to my grandfather who has passed away and I've been connecting to the trees and having conversations with the trees, not out in the world, but just like when I'm walking by them, like just feeling the presence. And that is, you know, the beauty of this polarity is that we can feel and work with the unseen forces of our universe through the very tangible things that we have. And so it's like putting my grandfather's pipe out to honor him this is something an object that he used and so just being really um, mindful of the objects that we have around us and the story that they hold particularly if you're like working with you know antiques which i'm often drawn to antiques i've got tourists down at the ic and so my home like i i'm drawn and then at pluto opposite so i'm like always feeling into the energy of old things and so it is a time to cleanse your space and particularly like the items that you own, the clothes that you put on, like right now, everything I'm wearing is, is I thrifted it. I like to buy clothes that have already been worn. And so, you know, particularly if you have a lot of Scorpio energy, you might be more sensitive to the physical realm than you might even be conscious of. So just that's some things that are coming up when we look at this chart mm -hmm. too. Yeah, yeah, really good insights. In Scorpio season, for me, I really do experience that like thinning of the veil, like, mm -hmm. like you were saying, like, 
little objects around me. I thrift a lot too. I also move a lot. So I thrift and then I leave things behind. Um, but seeing the life in the objects in the space around you um, and having that really deep connection with, um, with nature and sensing your ancestors or your guides or whatever kind of spiritual energy might be supporting you. And yes, yeah, Sawin is when you really want to be focused on cleansing your space as well. And mm -hmm. there's like practices that people who are really into paganism, witchcraft, um, often they do practices to sort of help um, spirits not get lost or trapped on this side uh, because the veil is so thin and there is the potential for that to happen. So it's a great time to protect your energy and then also to just connect with that beautiful mystery around you all of Scorpio season and then also this day in particular. And I wanted to ask you, because we are going to talk a lot about Lilith uh, later in the interview, yeah. um, but I would like to hear more about what you're interpreting this next nine-month journey through Taurus is going to be for Lilith. What are some of the themes connected with that? Well, her story has been really prominent with us this year in 2020 because she entered Aries. And, you know, whenever a planet enters the sign of Aries, we start a whole new chapter. It's new beginnings. It's like the sunrise. And so this is like, you know, I think of Black Moon Lilith as the witch waking up at sunrise, you know, like that was her entering Aries. And um, so she's been with us throughout our entire relationship that we've had with the coronavirus. And it's been this very raw and primal survivalism. I mean, Aries is the survivor. And so um, just becoming very aware of what it means to be an individual, and particularly as she's been squaring the pandemic cluster, the Capricorn stallium, it's like, well, I have to take care of myself as an individual. The government's not taking care of me. You know, like there's been that kind of like bringing up those ancestral energies of Black Moon, Lilith, and Aries. And so there's an intensity to her and Aries and like a fight or flight that she might have. And so as she shifts into Taurus and this full moon will offer a culmination of like insight into what the next nine months might bring, but it feels much more grounded around all of her themes. And so her themes for me in my own practice include anything that is related to the LGBTQ community and beyond LGBTQIA, Two-Spirit, all of it, I feel Black Moon Lilith and anyone who's on the periphery of society who has been um, condemned, repressed, shamed, you know, um, cast aside. And so we're, we'll go into Black Moon Lilith more, you said, so I don't want to go too far into it. But yeah, so there's going to be much more of a an opportunity for us to start to process things through our body. I mean, Taurus rules over the throat. And so literally anything that's in Taurus, it needs an opportunity to release the throat. And so with Black Lilith and Taurus, this is like screaming out of the throat and like moaning and like whatever we've been storing in our bodies as we've been in a fight or flight mode, the last nine months has the opportunity to release into the ground into the earth, you know? So it, yeah, it's going to be interesting. I mean, it, it makes me think of, I mean, Halloween always is going to be playing on this polarity of, of Scorpio with the Taurus polarity and, you know, dressing up into costumes is very Taurian to honor 
people who have passed away or to honor spirits or goblins or witches or ghosts or whatever. But there is definitely a like with Black Moon Lilith and Taurus, it definitely feels like dressing up and expressing your most like repressed sides of yourself. Your sexuality has the opportunity to be much more Venusian. So I imagine, you know, anything in Taurus also connects me to fashion and style too. So people might be dressing a little bit darker or, you know, wanting to express these sides of themselves that they're now grounding into from our time through Aries. So there's a lot of, of wiggle room to play with Black Moon Lilith. And so she does bring in a lot of creativity and expression in our chart. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like we're in for a really interesting Halloween. Uh, it feels mm-hmm. very expressive with yeah. Lilith being in Taurus. And then also I think the Uranus conjunct the moon, like there is that expressive energy of like speak up and, and say what is in your heart and talk about the things that have been hurting you. And yeah, Definitely. it's, it's going to be a beautiful day. It's also interesting not to make it too political, but uh, one of the people running for president in the United States, Joe Biden is a Scorpio sun with a Taurus moon, I believe. And so that's just interesting. This is the full moon right before election day, which is just three days to follow. That is really interesting. Yeah. Um, I hadn't even thought about Mm -hmm. that yet. Um, Yeah. I've been very, I've been trying really hard to keep up with everything happening in my home country, the U S but I'm many, many, many miles away, thousands of miles away. So, (laughs) so you're in Vietnam. I'm in Cambodia actually. Oh, okay. So what are you doing over there? I travel Southeast Asia. Like it's just, um, it's been my lifestyle for a couple of years. Uh, I work online. Um, I produce podcasts for a living and I, do it remotely and when the mm-hmm. pandemic hit i had the opportunity to stay here indefinitely and i took that opportunity so this is where i Hell live yes. until, <laughs> yeah this it's is where inspiring. i live inspiring i mean the moon's in sag when we're recording this and i'm feeling like the sagittarius restlessness right now we got saturn and uranus and sag so that's cool yeah i have jupiter and sagittarius so there have been many many moments of restlessness for me so yeah Yeah, and I'm excited to hear more of your thoughts about Lilith later on. Um, The next thing I wanted to talk to you about is your Zodiac Queens project. But do you have any final thoughts about this this astrology here before we move on? No, I think think we covered it. I think those are the main things for the full moon. You know, sometimes it's nice to just have a few things to be looking at on the full moon. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Instead of like looking at every planet, you know, but you could also do that. (laughs) <laughs> yeah so those of you who are interested go ahead and have fun with that but yeah. <laughs> we'll move on um yeah. yeah um so your zodiac queens project and this i actually i think you started this project maybe around the time i was getting into astrology it has really shaped me as an astrologer because cool um celebrities are sort of like our modern version of mythology Um, And you've done this beautiful thing where you've alchemized like this ancient language of astrology with our modern mythology. And we have such a strange relationship with celebrity culture in the modern world. So this project, I think it's very important because it reflects back to us, like what these people are actually helping us explore within ourselves. That was kind of my, um, what I got out of following the Zodiac Queens project. so what was it that initially inspired this project for you? Yeah, I, 
the first thing that inspired me with it was I had just moved to Los Angeles after having lived in Hawaii for a year. And I, you know, celebrity culture is very strange. And I've never really been connected to it. And so, but I was just, wherever I go, and, you know, as an Aquarius, I do really connect to the full archetype. And I just open myself up to the energy of wherever I'm living. And this is just what wanted to come through living in LA. I, like I took a walk down like the Hollywood square or whatever, the Hollywood road, whatever that's called with all the stars. And um, I was just, you know, sometimes when I arrive somewhere new, I'll actually take a white rose with me that the fool carries because it opens your heart to experiences that you wouldn't normally. It allows you to uh, make eye contact with people. And so I often will, when I arrive somewhere new, embody the fool. And if I'm not feeling it, then I'll get some props and things that will help me to embody it. And so, um, yeah, I was walking around Hollywood with a white rose and just opening myself up to everything. And it wasn't until weeks later that the idea came to me. But as an Aquarius, the polar sign is Leo, which is celebrity. And I am always interested in finding ways to communicate to the collective in a way that is going to bring this all together. And I found this interesting vantage point living in Los Angeles, that celebrity culture, it's like a shared vocabulary that many of us hold even if we're not that familiar with particular celebrities there are certain people that we have just seen since we were born here and so one of those examples would be like oprah winfrey like pretty much everyone probably knows who she is i don't at least in the united states and because we grew up with her on tv she has Uranus and cancer. So she's like the Uranian mom in the living room, like giving us, dispelling us wisdom. And so she's our queen of Aquarius. But anyway, so the polarity of Leo, I'm always asking myself, how can I evolve through Leo? And so right now it's inner child healing. But at that time, when I did this project, which was about a year and a half ago now, it was by engaging with celebrity culture. And so it's all kind of like an experiment for me. I knew nothing about any kind of celebrity things before this. Um, and now I've learned a lot. So um, it w really came for me out of a, two, two reasons. Like one, just the fascination of celebrity culture. What is it? And also, um, how can we look to people who are famous as these stars? You know, the, they're actually called stars that um, are kind of guiding us as we're looking at the stars of astrology. So it was out of a fascination, but also out of a desire to connect uh, more deeply with the collective and so it was more of an experiment for me of like what it who feel I'm like me kind of gauging the collective thought because I didn't decide who the zodiac queens was were the collective did and so I was actually curious Lily Tomlin or our Beyonce who feels more Virgo to you and why who's more queen of Virgo and so it also brought in this Venusian side of it too because well, Beyonce won. She is much more queen of of Virgo. So it was also bringing in, it was a play with Venus too. And so um, I do have the birth chart here. I remember in the email you asked me if yes. I have the birth chart. And so I do have it cast. I got to like go back at one point and see. And so Venus is in Taurus right on the midheaven. Uh, so that's cool to see. So there is this Venus aspect coming to play. It's a Taurus sun with a Leo moon and a Leo rising. 
So also bringing in that like celebrity of Leo here too, but also the Taurian aspects. And um, three out of 12 of the Zodiac Queens are a Leo rising with a Taurus midheaven. So there is that sort of vibration going on. But yeah, so it was, I mean, it's just kind of weird for me to look back and be like, oh yeah, I did that project because I've never really been interested in celebrities, but it's, um, I'm just always interested in using some sort of collective vocabulary where we can make better sense of the world that we live in. And I actually grew to love all of these different inspiring women. And now I can talk to people um, in the world and not feel so alien, you know, cause I don't watch TV or whatever. So, but now, now I've like studied it and I can, so that's cool. That's beautiful. And yeah, and it wasn't even just like you did this pro like you spent a whole year totally, I imagine, like you seemed like you were really, really immersed in it for a whole year. And that is, I really admired that, like the dedication it takes to really dive into something the way that you did. Um, That's incredible. And I really do feel that um, Leo Aquarius polarity with it. So it is interesting to see that the North Node is in Leo and the South Node is in Aquarius. Yeah, South Node and Aquarius in the sixth, me just like working away with the collective over here in the sixth house. Yeah, because you took those Leo themes of the the stars that we look up to and the stars that we kind of like collectively worship maybe. Um, Mm. And you use this very Aquarian way of exploring it through podcasting and then also through allowing your Instagram followers to vote and decide who the actual queen was. And so, yeah, it is, it's cool to see that they do have that reflected in the chart and it is very Venus. Um, um, Sun's conjunct Uranus too, but that was right before Uranus entered Taurus. Okay. So Uranus was still in Aries. Mm -hmm. Um, What, what kind of themes do you see through that with the sun conjunct Uranus showing through the project? Um, I actually, I feel it as it's like bringing in the Uranus into Taurus, like it's with that conjunction. And it does feel like using technology to honor pioneering women, Aries, and just honor the feminine in general, Taurus. Um, Yeah, and using technology and social media to do that. And as an Aquarius, it's like a planet that I really, you know, connect with. And so I really like Uranus and Taurus reminds me of, oh, this is when the Zodiac Queens project started. Um, which was a a big shift for me from Uranus and Aries, which was me more as like a dog walker, like doing my own thing, you know? Um, So, yeah. And yeah, with those Taurus, well, with Uranus almost being in Taurus and with Venus being in Taurus, I do see the themes of like honoring the feminine and celebrity culture. Like we've said, we have a strange relationship to celebrity culture, but also like especially famous women, Um, because you see all of like the sexism come into it and women are famous women are sort of like worshipped and they're also judged and um, what I really loved about the Zodiac Queens project is how you showed the complexity of some of these women's lives like a lot of the stories that you shared um, were women who struggled and like women who faced things like addiction and mental health and all kinds of things and I think you really helped us see these women as humans um because it's interesting because we it's not like we're in you know living in the ancient world anymore most of us don't have like this pantheon of gods to look up to so we look up to 
people and we put people on pedestals as if they are deities, but they're actually just human beings. So do you feel but that like feels kind of- so like the Aquarian age though? It's like, yeah. it's like humanity. It's like all people, we have the ability to actualize um, into our soul's purpose here. And I think that, you know, all 12. So for those of you listening that aren't familiar with the Zodiac Queens project, we did, we crowned one queen for each astrological sign that represents, you know, the culmination or the um, manifestation of the archetype the most throughout their life and their work. And when I'm looking at them, I have an image of all 12 queens here with me right now. But each one of them went to echo what you're saying, went through, um, are very perseverant. They all went through very trying times in their life. And that seems to be a a running thread that unites them, that they've all persevered in some sort of way. Um, And so that's really inspiring to see. Yeah. Yeah. And so like when we are reflecting on all of these queens and reflecting on the people that we look up to, because in the age of Aquarius, it's not deities, it's people. Um, We can also see that reflected within ourselves. We can see our capacity to be incredibly perseverant and resilient and strong. Um, Because I think we do live in a world where we need to embody a lot of strength right now, especially like everything that's been happening this year, all of the changes. Yeah. So yeah, it helps to deepen your connection to yourself. So like you're an Oprah sun with a Frida Kahlo moon. Michelle Obama rising. And so it just kind of gives you a new way to connect to it. But then you can also connect to the stories of each of these women. And, you know, Frida Kahlo as our queen of cancer. I mean, all three water queens are the three that have passed away. You know, you start looking at patterns, whereas all the other queens are still alive on this planet. So there was something about the water queens and death and having passed on to the other side that was attractive to us as a collective when we were voting on water the importance of memory and the unconscious because obviously you know if you put like georgia o'keefe versus bjork which was the final two for queen of scorpio we're drawn to georgia o'keefe he's already passed away on in this water element so we definitely there's certain certain patterns that start to emerge um like the cardinal queens are all activists but through the lens of their element, you know, like there's like certain things that are coming through. So it's my hopes to help upgrade astrology so that we can talk about it today and how it makes sense today, but also to see like, how does it actually manifest? Like when you put 16 Cancerian women together, what are they Cancerian in the way that we say that they're mothers? Well, actually, Frida Kahlo wasn't a mother. She did want to be a mother. But when we look at them together, we're like, oh, wow, actually cancer has a very like punk energy when you put them all together. Like there's like a little edge to cancer. Like a lot of them had like dyed hair, like spiked hair, like Cindy Lauper, you know, like there's just like a certain vibe. And so it kind of helps upgrade it from this like outdated way that astrology has been written and talked about by perhaps maybe a male dominated world. Um, so yeah. How is it like, is there truth behind it? So I was also kind of curious of like, well, are Aquarius is rebellious, really? When we look at all of them together? And yes, they, they are. Well, I guess it's like more of a, um, like kind of testing astrology too, to see like, is there truth behind it by like studying people's lives that hold the astrological energy? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's so important because um, 
I like to think of astrology as like a language and a tool for liberation, but it was created uh, basically by men and for men. There are a lot of patriarchal um, roots in the languaging and archetypes of astrology. So I think as modern astrologers, it is really important for us to be questioning and examining um, does this languaging actually work? What needs to be upgraded? What needs to change and evolve? And yeah. definitely as a double Aquarius, <laughs> you would be doing yeah. that. And yeah. I think as a, a queer person too, I'm just interested in, in making it more all-inclusive. And actually what's interesting about Zodiac Queens too, which I think when you first hear it, you think of like, Yas, queen, you know, like that. But like, it actually derived more from the tarot, like queen of cups, you know, like queen of wands. Like I, I meant it for it to have more of that kind of queen feeling. But it was interesting to kind of gauge the collective and, the, and where people would start to take it in their own life and what queen actually meant to them, you know. So it kind of evolved into like a whole nother like um, subset than I had originally intended it, which was fine because... Uh, we learn from each other. Yeah. yeah, and it seems like the project sort of, kind, you, you because you allowed it, like it sort of took on a life of its own and just sort of grew and developed the way that it wanted to. That's what it seemed like from somebody who was watching the project. Well, when it was like Queen of Leo, people got really competitive and it was the only Queen tournament where, or tournament, like whatever we want to call it, it was the only like Queen project where, um, Tori Amos's fan club started following and like voting and like large numbers and Tori Amos beat Madonna going into the final four because they were like Tori's queen. It was like very Leo. So it did like take on a life of its own, which was really intense at times. Um, and then I still have a bunch of Tori Amos followers that follow me because of that. They're like, thank you so much for honoring Tori in that way. And I was like, yeah, it's cool. You know, um, but then when it was Queen of Virgo, there was much more of a reverence. It was like, it didn't feel competitive. It was like, oh, Queen of Virgo. Like, you know, like there's definitely a shift with each archetype and what it would bring out of people. And so it also kind of showed me, and I think astrology does, we kind of like project onto astrology too. It's like, oh, it's Leo. I'm giving myself permission to be like competitive and fiery. And so it was interesting to witness that in people. I, I'm curious, even if I put the same 16 Leo women and said they were all Virgo, if we would have interacted with it in a different way. So it's just, it, it was just a, a fun way to gauge how the collective reacts to these archetypes and how we play them out. Yeah, were there, um, were there any seasons or women that like really surprised you in terms of like how the collective responded or like, you know, it was different than you thought. Maybe it, it changed your relationship with a certain archetype. Um, were there any instances like that? Well, there are definitely people that, you know, I didn't even know who they were. And then quickly I would see like, oh, wow. Like I wasn't very familiar with Georgia O'Keefe. And then she won by like 90% of the votes in the first round. And so she was the highest scorer. And I was like, whoa, like I need to like study this person, you know? So then I spent more time on the people who got higher percentage votes and by the end of it, I know everything about Georgia O'Keeffe now. I've even been to her ghost ranch in New Mexico. And I was meant to go there this year for an artist residency to work on the book, but it closed because of coronavirus. But yeah, like I feel really deeply connected to her now. Um, and I didn't even know really anything about her before. Like I had heard of her, but I hadn't like 
like really like spent time with her paintings and you know I've got like all of these Georgia O'Keeffe paintings like here that I just like kind of bop through you know like she's like I love her I love yeah. her too I got yeah. into Georgia O'Keeffe when I was in the end of university and I think her mm -hmm. paintings are just absolutely gorgeous I love that I believe she painted like until like the day she died like she painted way 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 into her old age which I really love that she's our oldest zodiac queen she lived to the age of 98 and so it's interesting to think of the Scorpio archetype as being the oldest sign. And so we can, and then Virgo, Beyonce is our youngest queen. And so Virgo, which is often associated with like the maiden, you know, is like the youngest. So it was interesting to look at that. Yeah. It's interesting that it was Scorpio that was the oldest and not Pisces and that it was Virgo mm -hmm. that is the youngest and not Aries. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, that is interesting. So we look at it and we kind of upgrade it uh, based off these queens, we use them as like a like an indicator. But Pisces, Nina Simone was, you know, she's also one of the the three water queens are the three oldest. Yeah, and you for those of for those of you who don't know Jeff yet, they are mm -hmm. a Virgo moon as well. You're a Virgo moon, right? Yes. So I um, am. Yeah, so I would imagine that really served you in this project and. I was just blown away with the amount of research and work that must have gone into this project. Were there ever moments that you felt burnt out and what was the process that you used to approach this each month? To approach the burnout or to approach the project? To approach the project uh, yeah. <laughs> or the burnout if you have. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I definitely, there were moments where I felt, you know, I just, immerse myself completely into whatever I do and uh, the first one it started out as Taurus Queen of Taurus and I think it was inspired there because I was just look I was like looking at famous Taurian individuals and I was trying and I was like to look at one of their birth charts on the show and I was like I can't decide which of these women's birth chart to look at they're also a tour Taurus and so that's when I kind of was inspired to say well which one's the most Taurus and then I just was like well why don't we decide as a collective that's it started in this really kind of pure way and the Taurus one was much more um it was light it was much lighter it didn't go as deep as the other signs but then as I went in then I was like well I'll do Gemini now and then Gemini was like intense because it it required me to go much deeper into to them and because I think there's the duality aspect and the twin energy that they have so many different sides of themselves. And then once cancer came, it was like, oh, now I'm diving into the waters. So it's, it kind of took on a life of its own. And as I got further into the project, once we got to Capricorn and Aquarius and Pisces, it was just like climbing the Capricorn mountain. It was just like so much research was involved in it. But I also think that that was part of the process, you know, like it, it, I, I embodied the archetypes as I went through them. Um, so as I got towards the end, like I was starting to feel a little burned out with it because I just, I just give so much to it because I enjoy it. I don't want to do a disservice to myself or the community by not putting my all into what I'm doing. And so, yeah, that my process was, you know, very much like I would probably select about 30 people for each sign and then narrow it down to 16 
research each person, put out as much information on them as I could through the lens of the astrological sign. And then people would make an informed decision based off of what I shared and what their gut instinct was. And um, the process was different for each sign informed by the archetype. So like when it was Aquarius, I asked people in the collective, since Aquarius is connected to the collective, to assign where the queen would be in the bracket. When it was Capricorn, I set up the bracket based off of their age. I put the oldest in the four corners and I built a little like mountain. And then with Sagittarius, I wrote all of their names down on a piece of paper and threw it up in the air and wherever it landed was where it was. So I, I engaged with the archetype and asked the archetype how it would like us to, to do their honor, their zodiac, zodiacal energy. So it changed, the process changed for each sign. So it was, I think it was a little bit even more immersive than I could even convey on Instagram or social media, but I lived and breathed it. It was everything that I did for that entire year. Mm -hmm. That definitely came through as a listener of the podcast. I could feel that you were like really, really, you, yeah, you were living and breathing that project. It was really beautiful to witness. Um, And I know we talked about how, uh, uh, Georgia O'Keeffe was a queen that you ended up getting really connected with. Me personally, you um, taught me about Regina Spector and I listen to yes. her music all the time now. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> She's my fave. She is so awesome. Her music is just so, so, so beautiful. But She has a really cool chart. Does she? What's cool about yeah. her chart? She's an Aquarius sun with a Pisces moon and a Gemini rising. She has a lot of Piscean energy and a lot of Virgo energy. So she's got the Pisces Virgo polarity. And I feel that in her very conceptual nature and her ability to communicate, you know, some of the like magical Piscean things in a way that she uses her voice in a very specific way. And she, the Virgo mastery of her craft. I mean, she's just probably one of the most genius musicians of our time period. Yeah, an incredible piano player. I do, if I didn't know she was an Aquarius, I would probably guess that she was a Pisces because I really feel Pisces through her music. She she could be queen of Pisces moon if we ever do the moon queens. We'll see. And yeah, I was curious about, you talked about Georgia O'Keeffe, but do you have a favorite queen or like a favorite woman that you ended up researching? Uh, A favorite. I mean, I guess if I had to choose a favorite, which it's like, I mean, they're all amazing. I would probably just go with um, Queen of Pisces, Nina Simone, just since it's all signs in one. Um, and because I just, I, I think that Nina Simone carries so much for us and processes the emotions of the collective. And if I'm ever going through a moment where I, you know, need a good cry, I'll listen to her music and yeah, but I love all of them and they all, it's just like loving all of the astrological signs. Each of them are very, very different and um, offer us um, beautiful expressions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And sometimes you're feeling one more than the other. Sometimes you're really feeling like Libra energy. Sometimes you're really feeling uh, Sagittarius energy. It depends on how you right. wake up that day. So with so this full moon, we have full moon and share with Uranus and Cher, Black Moon, Lilith and Cher. So we could picture like Cher with lightning and also maybe kind of witchy. That's like a way to like, sometimes I use them as like a way to visualize the energy 
in the same way I might use the tarot to visualize the energy, it just brings in a whole other side of it. Yeah. 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 Do you ever, I'm just curious, um, cause I know you do astrology readings. Do you ever in your sessions bring the Zodiac Queens into it and use that to explain people's personal astrology? I do. I find probably most with Frida Kahlo, which she, she's my favorite too. They're all my favorite, but um, Frida Kahlo's story is just, I think it adds such depth to the Cancerian archetype. And I've, I find that with a lot of Cancers, um, encouraging them to to use their sensitivity in a reflective way, like through painting or through fashion, which Frida Kahlo very much did. She processed her emotions through her work and her deep grief, and she did a lot of ancestral healing through her work. And she was an activist um, in the way that she offered a space for people to process all of the changes that were going on in the Mexican Revolution through her art. And we don't often think of, you know, artists as activists, but they are. And she very much was. And so I do, I, I think I probably, and I talk about Stevie Nicks a lot too for Gemini, because she gives an, a beautiful example of building bridges between duality. So yeah, it just depends on what's going on in the reading, but sometimes they'll pop in and sometimes other people will pop in too. Particularly, I like to look at people's sun and moon. So like Aquarius sun with Cancer moon, who would that be? Do you know anyone off the top of your head that has that combo? I actually don't other than myself. (laughs) I'm thinking now I'm like, I'm feeling into the reverse combo, which also would sometimes come in. So right now, Princess Diana is a Cancer Sun with an Aquarius Moon. So that might be someone for you to kind of explore and look into, even though it's like your polar, it's like not the same Sun Moon, but it's the same energy. Um, Solange Knowles is a Cancer Sun with Aquarius Moon. So those two are coming into my mind right now. I'm trying to think, I can't, no one's coming to my mind right now that is Aquarius with Cancer Moon. Oh, Shakira. Shakira. Oh, Shakira is Aquarius with Cancer Moon. So her Super Bowl commercial, in. or not commercial, her Super Bowl performance <laughs> this year was incredible. I was like so into that. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Really yeah, and funny. as a kid, I actually was really into um, Princess Diana. I remember going to see her. Her like jewelry or dresses are are constantly touring, and I went and saw that. Oh, as a really? Kid. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she she was up against Frida Kahlo for Queen of Cancer. Yeah. Both of them, I could see as being really good for that archetype. Um, Cool. Diana could be queen of Aquarius moon. Very humanitarian and very moon-like. So her Aquarius moon, I could see that working out. So you do in the future think you might be doing queen of the moons, or do you think you'll ever do the kings of the zodiac or Um, (laughs) non-binary? Yeah, I'm, I'm interested in zodiac queers. I'm interested in zodiac kings and, and, queen of the moon moon queens i think that even rising sign i already have like a database in my phone of you know i have people like the 16 people picked out for each sign in the moon and and kings and queers like i i've already got it set up um and that can all obviously change over time you know based off of like the way that the world's changing um but I am realizing Zodiac Queens, it was like a full on immersion for a year. And so I think that this is now I'm processing and assimilating really what it all meant. And it, it, that, that process is a little bit slower. So I think that it would probably be like 
a project that I do like once every like three or four years. Um, so I think like, you know, whatever comes next, if it's Zodiac Kings would probably be in like 2023 or 2024. Cause I'm kind of in it, you know, this fixed air Aquarius, like I'll keep going, but I also, you know, <laughs> need time in between space. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I look forward to whatever iteration comes next, whenever it does. And for those of you who are interested in experiencing the Zodiac Queens project, just go into the backlog of Cosmic Cousins. You can even re-listen to like it's, um, we'll be listening to this during Scorpio season. So maybe go back to when they were doing Scorpio season and learn about Georgia O'Keeffe. Yeah, and all of the Zodiac Queens episodes are still up and you can go into the archives and in Instagram and find all the info. Yeah, definitely. Thank you. Definitely do that. Um, I want to make sure we have enough time to talk a bit about Lilith because- uh, <laughs> We could yeah. just talk all day. I could I could talk all day, especially to you. <laughs> like, what's your Mercury in? My Mercury is in Aquarius. Ooh, nice. Is that where your Mercury is too? I have it in Pisces. Oh, that's interesting. And Are then you Ju- in- Jupiter in Pisces? Jupiter in Pisces. That's beautiful. I have Saturn in Pisces. Okay, cool. Yeah. Are you a late Aquarius or a mid Aquarius? I am the third decan. Okay. I am at the 25th degree. I was born on February 14th. And, I was born uh, on the 13th, so I'm also... No way. Again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, do, you, do you resonate with Third Deccan? Have you explored that? I haven't gone really deep into the Deccans, but I do sort of resonate with the idea that like my progressed son would be in Pisces and that I am close to kind of maybe being on the cusp of Pisces because Mm -hmm. I am a deeply emotional person that also comes from my cancer moon. Um, And sometimes like the- Also think Aquarius Aquarius is, I think Aquarius is deeply emotional. Yeah. I do. We're we're tapped into the world at large and to humanity. And maybe that's just my Mercury and Jupiter and Pisces coming in. But I, I think Aquarius is more emotional than people will say. Mm-hmm. I don't like I I get the scientific like distant perspective but it doesn't I think all the signs are extremely emotional they just yeah. have different ways of expressing them but when I think of like Oprah as an example of Aquarius Oprah's emotions is what led her to creating a platform to connect with the collective like she deeply cares about the collective but the way she does it is through her intellect and her knowledge and her ability to communicate, but she is very sensitive. Otherwise she wouldn't be doing what she's doing. I think we all are. Yeah, absolutely. And Aquarius does, Aquarius is the humanitarian. So there is sort of that like bleeding heart aspect Mm -hmm. of Aquarius of really caring about humanity. And it's like a, it's like this all encompassing experience of like, just like, aching or feeling joy for the state of the world depending on like what energy is in the world i definitely feel that with being an aquarius i think aquarius in some ways has to learn to out of self-preservation to be a little bit less emotional Um, because if you think of oprah again as an example of aquarius this would be like she can't engage with each person in her audience one-on-one and so there is a distant feeling to that. She's t- 
tuning into the group mind. And so there becomes, you can't necessarily be tuned into the emotion all the time when you're working with big groups of people. You have to become a little bit more distant in order to continue to put out the information, but it doesn't mean you're not emotional. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's just a little bit, it's, yeah, every sign is emotional in its own way, just like every sign yeah. is spiritual in its own way. Yes. Yeah, to say like only Pisces or only the water signs are spiritual, that's kind of a strange <laughs> thing to say. Well, it's the same way. Yeah, it's the same way, like we're connecting on the internet right now. So this is Aquarian in nature and everyone listening to the podcast is also engaging with Aquarius right now because we're using technology to uh, hear new ideas. So this is Aquarian. Is Does that make it not emotional? I don't know. I've, I've interviewed people and they've cried on the podcast and I want to cry now just even like talking about it and connecting with you in this way. And so I think that this year, particularly, and as we move into next year with so many Aquarian energies, um, it's it's a very emotional time. And as Saturn and Jupiter and Aquarius, it is emotional and we'll be crying with people on Zoom, but it doesn't make it not emotional. It just means that we're maybe not next to each other. It's a little bit more distant and we're aware of what's going on in humanity at large. So I actually find it quite emotional. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I've always, I think as an Aquarius, I do, I've been working on the internet for three years now. And I feel like as an Aquarius, I have always been really good at maintaining deep relationships, even if I can only connect with people online. Sometimes even if I only know them through online connection, um, because like a lot of all my business relationships are online and most of my friends I have to keep up with online because I don't really live in one place. And yeah, I think that next year is going to be an opportunity for us to continue to explore that because it doesn't seem like the pandemic's going to be ending. There will be all these planets in Aquarius and we're going right. to continue to have to rely on this technology to um, mm -hmm. keep um, around each other and keep mm -hmm. connecting to each other. And here we are. <laughs> and here we're we are. connecting. <laughs> it's yeah. cool. It is cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. But, um, so yeah, I would love to talk to you more about Lilith. And um, I wanted to plug in case I forget, you have a workshop about Lilith. Uh, that I you do. Teach. Yeah. It's called Black Moon Lilith, Unleash the Queer Witch in Your Chart. So why the queer witch? Um, Black Moon Lilith is innately connected to sexuality. It is a placement that if you're wanting to explore your sexuality, you can look to Black Moon Lilith to investigate that. Um, but queer, I, I chose that word because it feels like sexuality that has not been conditioned by our modern patriarchal world. And so how is your sexuality expressed when you don't have you know, certain things projected onto you about the way you should look or act or feel? And so for me, like as a queer individual, who grew up in Virginia, there's still a lot of unraveling for me to do there because we're kind of inundated with these preconceived notions. And then even after leaving Virginia, moving to New York City and being involved in the queer community there, there's also a certain image that's projected onto what does it mean to be gay or queer? And like, so Black Moon Lilith is that part of you that is just so innate and instinctual to your sexuality that we can tap into. Uh, so there's a lot of healing that takes place here. And 
the witch because I often connect her to these parts of ourself that are, um, you know, connected to like these deep roots of medicine that live within us. And often that is along our matriarchal line. And so it is the moon, you know, it's black moon and she is connected to the moon's orbit. She actually represents where the moon was farthest away from earth in her orbit. And so the moon's orbit around earth is around the sun around earth. Yeah. Is, um, is oblong. And so when it's the farthest point away from earth is where black moon Lilith is. And so in some ways it's almost like the place where she almost escapes the earth, but then gravity pulls her back in. So it can even represent this part of us where it's like, well, I need to like pull away from what everyone's telling me to do or the ways to look. And so there is a very rebellious energy to black moon Lilith. Her story is, is really interesting because, and this is going to be like my, 21st century like rendition of the story but essentially adam and eve before there was eve there was adam and lilith and so lilith liked to top adam she was very dominant and adam liked it he was like sub bottom with lilith until it got to the point where adam felt like he was losing power like lilith had power over him and so he shunned her from the garden of eden but when i tune into lilith she says no, I left. That's what they want you to think. I left. I didn't want to be there anymore. So she is like this like strong feminist energy in our chart too. And that story is not in the Bible. So it also comes to represent Lilith is the parts that have been stripped from us, like the stories that have been lost throughout time, whether that's women's stories astrologers who were like locked up in prison or tarot readers, you know, like these things that we don't even hear about. Like, did you know you could go to jail for being an astrologer? Like this sort of thing, the parts like indigenous cultures, slavery, anything that has been lost, the stories because of our modern patriarchal world, Lilith holds all of that grief, holds all of that pain, all of that anguish. And so as we evolve through Lilith and with Lilith, it's the part of us that says, no, I left the garden. You didn't kick me out. I didn't want to be a part of whatever you're creating. And as I leave, I have the new vantage point of empowering myself. And then I can come back and unleash other people from the binds of our modern patriarchal world. So it becomes this place in your chart where you empower other people. And so she, some of Black Moonless children, it's LGBTQ community for sure. Definitely transgender folks, definitely um, sex workers, witches. Like the, these are people that I really connect with, with Black Moon Lilith. Um, but it extends far beyond that. And we all have this in us somewhere. And so if, if these themes do not resonate with you, it's also a place to look in your chart to see where are you repressing people? So like certain people in the world that are assholes, I'll look to their chart at Black Moon Lilith and see like, how are you doing this? Like, how is this manifesting in the world? Um, so, you know, all of the planets have their, their expression. And if we're not working with the energy, in a way that is for evolution, it can also be how we're trying to like control. So it's, it's a deep one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot yeah, to yeah. it. So it represents, um, to like put it 
simply <laughs> like because uh, there's so much to it um but it, it basically represents like a part of you that is has been oppressed but sometimes it can represent how you might be the oppressor is that correct that's how i work with black moon lilith what i'm sharing is probably pretty aquarian and you're not necessarily going to hear that from all astrologers but that's when i tune into her that's what she says to me Mm -hmm. and i yeah i i like that because i have um researched lilith i've looked into lilith um there's other podcasts that i've like listened to about lilith um and it is such a strange story and myth to process um if you actually go into the myth like she eats babies and steals men's sexuality um, there's so much rage so many intense emotions when it comes to that archetype so it can be sort of intimidating to approach it so yeah i love that you've taken that double aquarius and sort of like um kind of adjusted it for the modern world um yeah So what is it that we can do to sort of start to process and work with Lilith? Like if we're taking those first steps. Yeah, I think for starters is either looking to see where she is in the sky right now or looking to your own birth chart and start kind of working with it in that way. But, you know, other astrologers might call her the dark mother. And so it can represent this part of us too, that we might have some wounding with our birth mother So it can be a very personal story. And so a big part of me, my practice when I'm first starting to work out with a new energy is I'll build an altar that is going to allow me to bring these very cosmic conceptual ideas into the earthly realm and set up a space for reflection. And that's really what an altar is. And so, you know, some things you might put on a black moon Lilith altar would be like a bowl of water would be nice, like she is connecting us to the water. Anything that you have grief around when it comes to your mother, you could put out. Um, And also just honoring your matriarchal line in the same way we might on a moon altar. But here it's like uh, the, the parts of your matriarchal line that have been, you know, lost, like the stories, you know? And so there is, you know, and then putting out some tarot cards that you might connect Black Moon Lilith to, which for me, I really connect the High Priestess to Black Moon Lilith. I mean, this is the moon card, but with an emphasis on the black column, there's usually a black and white column. And so like tuning into the darker energy of the High Priestess um, is a, is like a nice archetype to reflect on with Black Moon Lilith. Um, Queen of Wands could be like more of a court card. She's got the black cat there um, and she's got that like primal fire energy, but really any of the queens and depending on whatever element your Black Moon Lilith is in, like I have Black Moon Lilith in Cancer, I might connect it more to the Queen of Cups. And so High Priestess Queen of Cups on my Black Moon Lilith altar. And then you have it out and you spend time with it like days, weeks. I mean, this, my whole process, like doing the workshop download was similar to the Zodiac Queens where I spent an entire month reflecting on and meditating with and tuning into Black Moon Lilith and seeing what she wanted to bring through me because it was my offering. And so spending time, like these things don't just like happen overnight, they take time. And so, you know, I spent like three days with Black Moon Lilith and Aries and I built an altar to Black Moon Lilith and Aries, wrote down my notes process them and then put them into the information that I was sharing with people in the workshop download. And so I went on a journey around the zodiacal wheel, went through each of the 12 signs and and spent time with it. But 
it, it, it is about that, that time that you spend cultivating a relationship with it. And another way is like the body. So right now, Black Moon Lilith is an Aries going to Taurus. And so those themes, we breathe into the head for Aries and we breathe into the throat and the neck for Taurus. And so our body holds a lot of wisdom too. Yeah, it seems like yeah. a very individual experience um, because it, it manifests in a, like every, no, it seems like two people wouldn't have the same Black Moon Lilith because two people might have different ancestral lineages and different birth charts. It's interesting that you were talking about the queens of the court cards in the, the tarot because my Black Moon Lilith is in Gemini and this morning I just mm-hmm. randomly pulled the Queen of Swords because I pull a tarot card every morning. Oh, cool. So that's funny that that happened. Um, yeah everybody's it seems like well first of all do you agree that maybe everyone's Lilith is so unique and so different the idea that I'm projecting out there um and what does a healthy relationship with Lilith look like yeah I mean I think everyone like I think everyone's planet is unique to them and it's about cultivating a relationship to that energy in your own life and how how it makes sense to you and how it inspires you Black Moon, Lilith, and Gemini is a fun one. Um, you get two, there's twins. Um, yeah. And then what, what was the question? How? Uh, what does a healthy relationship with Lilith look like? Hmm. Yeah, that's going to be really personal, mm-hmm. I think, um, for, for you to kind of sit with that and ask yourself that. Um, I don't know if I would necessarily have the answer to that because it it feels like, a healthy relationship to Lilith is through your ability to honor her. I mean, that's the thing is she's an energy in us that wants to be honored and acknowledged. And, you know, a lot of times people are maybe a little bit afraid to go in there and that's okay. Maybe it's not time for you to be incorporating these themes into your life. But if you are drawn to them innately and intuitively, it's just honoring this side of you. And so for me, having Black Moon Lilith in Cancer, I do these this archetype and story is so pertinent to who i am as it's just as important to me as my moon sign you know it but it's much more deeply personal i think black moon lilith i mean the moon is already personal and it's even more personal even more unconscious than the moon and for me it's like it's the stuff that i don't share necessarily out publicly but like you know i can it's like growing up gay in the South, you know, and, and having a mother, Black Moon Lilith in Cancer, who doesn't understand your sexuality and condemns it. And it's like the pain and the anguish of the mom um, ostracizing you. So Black Moon Lilith in Cancer is like mom doesn't accept you, you know, like it can be these parts of us where we're not accepted. And so with it in Gemini, it could be like a peer or a sibling, you know, not being accepted in K through 12 or, you know, like it can be these places where we're kind of like pushed away. Um, So it's deeply personal and it can bring up a lot of emotion. And so if you're willing to go in there, it's honoring this, this part of you. And so with Black Moon and Gemini, it feels like a lot of inner child healing and allowing this to play and it's safe too, you know, so a healthy relationship is um, it's quite complex, I think. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. such a complex archetype. Yeah, a lot of that resonates with Lilith and Gemini. That's yeah, Yeah. definitely need to reflect on that because I I pulled that tarot card this morning probably for a reason. Yeah, and then you shared you have Jupiter and Sag. I do on the other side of the wheel. 
So mm-hmm. then they start to have an interplay with each other. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, speaking of Lilith, like interacting with other planets, um, do you feel Lilith, like an interaction between Lilith and the moon in people's charts or in the collective as we move through the astrology? It's a little, it's a little more subtle, I think. Like when we're tuning into the collective, um, unless you're really tuned into it, you know, like if you, like if you are a sex worker, for instance, and like you're working with Black Moon Lilith more often, or if you are like a sexuality coach or a therapist, or like if your life revolves more around Black Moon Lilith themes of, you know, healing the matriarchal line, like th- these things, these are like healing grief around like miscarriage. I mean, Black Moon Lilith also holds the grief of like losing a child, you know, like, so for some of us, we might move through moments in time where we are feeling way more Black Moon Lilith. Um, And so when it comes to collective energies, it's going to speak to a certain population more than others. Um, And so she is still, she's like that periphery, even when we're tuning into the collective and even in our chart She's like the outcast in our chart in many ways. So um, if you have like a planet that is trying Black Moon Lilith, our sextile, our square, like I, I interpret it in the same way I would another planet, but there is still, it's important to note that she's not a planet. She's a mystical point in the moon's orbit. So it goes through phases and it goes through cycles. It's not always there. Yeah. Yeah, kind of like the moon. The moon is not different, or the name is the moon is not the same day to day. It's different right. every day. Um, exactly. And feminine energy is like that. As a exactly female, I'm I'm so different every day. Um, mm-hmm. Just like everyone has a feminine side that's different every day. Totally. Um, yeah. And um, last question: Do you <laughs> feel um, like there's either one of the zodiac queens or? Uh, a celebrity or somebody in the public eye that you feel like really has this embodiment of Lilith that we can look to mm. if we're exploring it? That's a cool question. Um, I mean, the first person that popped in my head was Bjork. So that's, I don't know why. I mean, she's a triple Scorpio. Um, I think that if we're talking about a healthy expression of Black Moon Lilith, it's like, like I'm just even hearing her like, raw and wild sounds that she creates and just like her ability to in a very unconscious way be a rebel it's not like she's not she's not like yeah i'm a rebel she's like no i'm tuning into like the deeper primal parts of myself i'm connected to the land and to nature and i'm like a channel conjuring up in my like you know, cauldron, this concoction of creative, sexual, raw, primal energy, you know, like that, like she's someone that I think really has it down. I would say RuPaul is another one too, that definitely has this Black Moon Lilith archetype. And RuPaul has Black Moon Lilith in Cancer uh, and in the first house. And is someone that I, I used when teaching about Black Moon Lilith for sure. That's so cool. Yeah. I'm I am binging RuPaul's Drag Race like all of the seasons currently. It's just some I think like it connects me cuz I actually for the um Aries full moon, I had a drag queen on the show and I think we were things oh, cool. are 
I, I've been like exploring those through just like watching a lot of drag queens. Um, no way. That. That's so cool. Well, yeah. And if we think of RuPaul with Black Moon Lilith and Cancer, then it shows like, oh, Mama Witch, you know, Cancer Mama and then Black Moon Lilith Witch. And it's like, oh, Mama Ru. And it's like, yep. you know, taking the Black Moon Lilith archetype of if we're using Black Moon Lilith as the LGBTQ community has created a, a safe home for all of her children. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. So healthy expression of Black Moon Lilith there too. Cool. Those yeah. are two really great and different um, uh, role models to look to if you're exploring Lilith. Um, I love listening to Nordic music too. <clears throat> Excuse me. If I'm mm. ever in a specific mood, I love listening to like Viking music, like Bjork oh, and cool. um, yeah. other stuff. So. Yeah, thank you so much for taking the time to be on this show. It has been so amazing to connect with you and i'm really excited to share this conversation with the audience on a gorgeous day Samhain full moon um yeah where can people go to connect with you learn more about you follow your work yeah you can check out cosmic cousins on instagram cosmic.cousins or the podcast which is cosmic cousins on itunes spotify and podbean or you can go to cosmiccousins.com Awesome. Yeah, definitely check all of those out. They do such great work. Um, right now you're releasing a podcast every new and full moon. Um, Correct. So, yeah. yeah. I look forward yeah. to those every time. And yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, cool. yeah, thanks again for being on the show. And thank you so much. It was great connecting with you. Yeah, you too. What a beautiful conversation. I feel so lucky that I was able to sit down with Jeff for a while and chat about their work. So thanks again, Jeff, for sharing your energy and your wisdom with us. I hope this conversation has given you a lot to reflect on during this full moon in Taurus. Links to all of Jeff's work are in the show notes. I definitely suggest you go and check them out if you resonate with their soul, with their Zodiac Queens project, with their Lilith workshop, and there's a few other things that they have to offer as well. They do such great work. They really embody their Virgo moon, and they just produce such beautiful offerings. And yeah, I hope you have a beautiful, safe Samhain or Halloween, and you enjoy this gorgeous, abundant Taurus energy, being spotlighted by the moon. I send you so much love. Thank you for being on this journey with me and bye for now.